0: Live from Klinda this is Derailed Trains of Thought. I do not like the looks of this place today, Tim.
1: Yeah, this looks very dangerous. Yeah,
0: I... I and, Okay, big bugs just freak me out,
1: anyways. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm saying stay as far away from that band of soldiers over there as possible. Yeah, they,
0: they scare me more than the bugs
1: do. Yeah, let's just go hide out in one of these caves here and hopefully yeah. we'll be okay. Yeah, and I, I think that's the only way to go. About okay, this. so the podcast has to stop taking us to
0: these dangerous places. I, I agree. I'm I- gonna go like Queen Frostine's castle or something like that. From- Candyland. <laughs> uh, it's safe. It's food related. I'd be, um, a,
1: I'd be okay with that. Yeah, there we go.
0: You know, go to 100 acre Woods. Have we
1: been there yet? It feels like we should have. Yeah, I, I've i been so many places, I just get turned around sometimes. The podcast has, I think it has a terrible mind of its own, and I think yeah. it wants to try to kill us so, or
0: something. So anyways, we're back here for episode uh, 47. 47. Well, um, and hopefully we'll survive it, guys. Yeah. So...
1: Any minor updates you have? Nothing that I'm ready to talk about okay. on, on here yet, I don't think. New Wells Rising is hopefully just around the corner. Most of the revisions are done, but otherwise, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's very, it's very close. It's very, very, very close. And it's good stuff, so it's worth the wait. Yep. And
0: uh, we have actually a print version of our first three Brian Cleo novels out now. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. I you heard get you, you got those to Gen Con just in the nick of time. Yes, in the nick of time.
0: And uh, you can order off animal, Amazon, too. Awesome. Yeah, so those are our minor updates for the week, but mm-hmm. uh, I guess we might as well, so, you know, we're, 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 by, uh, we're putting our lives in our hands staying here, so let's get started here. Yeah. So, story school. This topic was actually suggested by our Badger friend... Um, Greg. your friend? <laughs> I don't know. He likes badgers. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Greg Meyer, who is a, is a long-time listener.
1: And soon to be a Children of the Wells novelist Yeah, so if you listen writer. to the
0: podcast, we'll probably ask you to write a novel.
1: But, um...
0: <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs>
1: don't listen to Nick
0: there. But, actually, he had suggested to, I think to you, Tim, about mm, yeah. talk about, uh... Gratuitous content in stories. Yes.
1: And I remember what, uh, what inspired the suggestion, I believe, is he had seen an article post somewhere, I forget if it was Wired or like I 09 or whatever that site is, you know. Basically, someone had written some sort of like something basically written as if it was. By a character in the Redwall series, the book series, okay. basically across with like Game of Thrones and style stuff. Style, yeah. So it was sort of Redwall as if it was written with blood and foul language and sexual yeah. references and things like that. I and think those, more than references, for what I understand. But yeah, I mean, f- Game of Thrones well, Game of, <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> And great, you know, this really kind of bugged Greg because he's a big fan of Redwall stuff, which is a very innocent, ch- childlike thing, and uh, which, and I totally understand that. To see that sort of thing dragged into the mud is not really something that I get any enjoyment out of. Some people seem to kind of get a thrill out of that kind of making something kiddish yeah. like that very edgy and dark and yeah. and ugly. I, I'm not sure why that's appealing, but it, some people find that funny. So. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Uh-huh. So
0: I guess I guess then what we're going to tackle largely is what is the place or is there a place for this sort for this sort of stylistic over the top use of mm-hmm. I mean vi- I, violence or sex usually are the two yeah. things we would talk about. We've talked about language in other
1: podcasts for yeah, certain. Yeah, there was we did a whole podcast on language. And I guess I guess the first key is to sort of distinguish what is explicit content from what is gratuitous content. Yes. Because there are the language episode we did sort of recognize that there might be situations where foul language might be even as a Christian uh, writer creator, you might have an excuse or reason to use it, but what about other things that are considered like explicit like yeah. uh, violence gore, uh, sexual content? I guess we could look at these as a piece by piece sort, yeah. of, sort of thing are there cases where you feel like an extreme or an explicit sort of violence is you know is justifiable
0: yeah I guess, explicit, especially. I guess it works for violence and, and sexual content. I think there's this desire for the people putting explicit stuff in that you need that rawness that you want to hit the readers, the readers, or or I guess a lot of times we're talking about um, TV, TV, movies. movies, visual, emotional gut reaction. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they're going for. And, and I and I think sometimes they are going for it in in a in a well-meaning way. They're not like... And I think that's where gratuitous comes in. You know, what is... Like we always ask, what's the purpose of doing it? For instance, Prometheus.
1: Did you see Prometheus? No. Okay. I, you have talked about it yeah. in here once before. But
0: anyways, like the first... I was telling... I think... One of my friends the other day about the first third of the movie was like good old school sci fi, and I thought, oh, this is neat. And I knew it was gonna be aliens, it was gonna be suspenseful and everything. and kind of, you know, they could some gross out factors. I mean, that's kind of an alien thing, hmm. but there was some of it that was just, you know, I got like turned away. I can't watch, you know, because I'm I, I, I'm not real good with the kind of gore, you know, especially horror, gore mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yeah, I remember watching in high school, um, Braveheart for the first time, sure, you know, and that's a little yeah for my especially at the time it was just ah, too much um district nine, kind of the same thing. Just
1: I personally don't need to feel need all that, but I guess I'm dancing on the
0: question, what's explicit
1: what's gratuitous? I think the common answer to like explicit content that might be justifiable is cases like Schindler's List or Saving Private Ryan, where you are depicting real yeah. life events and you and and if you want to give the audience a feel for what it was like or, you yeah. know, especially Schindler's List, yeah. you know, these things actually happened.
0: So uh, I guess here's here's a question, though. And I and this is, I think, where people come down all across the line. Obviously, you, you want to reflect reality if you're doing a movie like that, like Schindler's List. But especially in the visual medium, how much of it do you need to show explicitly? Mm, yeah. like, Munich. Pretty, pretty interesting movie. Some of it was very you know very explicit scenes in intercut you know, to kind of create the emotional distress of the main character. He's you know he's having sex and he's having memories of killings and stuff. and it's kind of to combine those two things. But it's just how much of it do you actually have to see? And how much can you imply? Mm-hmm. And I guess people always say with horror and other things, implication works stronger emotionally then Mm. why do we not why does that not seem to always be the case in how people argue about these things Mm.
1: I remember when I was at uh, Regents film school one of the one uh, film festival that they hosted there one time I remember I went to see this movie that was about um, that was about abortion and mainly it was about Teenage girl who had gone through it. She, uh, you know, it, it goes, you know, and kind of their depiction of the, of the being in the whole abortion clinic is very kind of uneasy, unsettling okay. kind of atmosphere. But, you know, she gets through it and she goes to her, they basically, they have her go to her hotel to kind of, you know, recover from it. But, and this is based on a tr- true life story okay. where the woman, the, <sighs> The abortion doesn't I'm not quite sure how to say this, but basically the what's inside her, the baby starts coming out. OK. And yeah. basically she winds up having the baby like coming out through her into the toilet. OK. And it is very graphic. I mean, it is, you know, stomach churning. Yeah. Um, but abortion is such a scary, ugly thing that. I felt like you need to see that. You can talk about abortion as much as mm-hmm. you want and like just kind of uh, gloss over it, you know, not really let it seep into your, you know, into your, you know, you just kind of look at it like on a very intellectual level. Yeah. But unless you actually see the body parts floating like that, that's a whole different thing. Now, the interesting thing about this is like before the movie even started, I noticed on because this is a low you know low budget yeah. movie sort of thing, and they had it on a DVD. And I noticed that they had the, the DVD menu screen came up, and there were two cuts of the movie. One was the original. Then there was I don't remember what they called it, like the uncut or unrated yeah. or you know more graphic version yeah. or something like that. And so, and I asked the filmmaker afterwards, it's like. What was in the other version that you, was like, how do you get more graphic than that And he said was that originally or in another version of the film or the first cut, whatever they had gone into a little bit more grisly detail about the actual abortion process okay. again, based off real facts, based off an actual woman that shared their story with them. But they felt later the need like it was too much shock value too soon that it took away a little bit from the goriness, if you will, of the later yeah. part that they didn't it wasn't worth having it at the beginning of the film. Okay. Yeah. So there's I I think that was a case of a movie that had the explicit content, but then it also held itself back on when to show it. When to show it. Yeah. So that's my example of yeah. of of one that kind of did it both ways.
0: Yeah, and I I don't have a Good answer in this explicit. It wouldn't move. I mean, obviously, I think most people say gratuitous is when it becomes too much,
1: <laughs> right? But by, then, by definition, but
0: yeah, exactly by definition. But then you know, where does that? Where does that? that where at? is that? And I don't, yeah. I mean, I can say where I think it is, but I mean, is there? I wonder if there's some sort of thumbnail sketch we can give to people. I mean, obviously, we've always talked about know what the story you're telling, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't, if it doesn't move that story forward, why is it there? Mm-hmm. You know, I think people talk about gratuitous action scenes blockbusters like look it didn't need to be a half an hour of battle It only needed to be 15 minutes or whatever sure and you know we'll talk about that but we don't
1: and i'm not sure critics complain about gratuitous sex as much as uh, gratuitous action scenes blockbusters but well is it, it is interesting there is this current debate that's going on not so much with movies and blockbusters but in the uh comics community mainly in terms of uh what women are dressed like okay, and how and how yeah. they're treated a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of debate currently about uh, trying to get super uh, heroines to dress more modestly <laughs> and not just be sex uh, you know yeah. figures for male gaze so much mm-hmm. uh, which I applaud that there's there's actually there was a new uh, design for Batgirls costume recently yeah. and it looks it looks pretty cool I mean, it's it's still very feminine But uh, it looks more practical and doesn't look nearly like it's <laughs> like ridiculously form-fitting yeah. Yeah. as uh, past superhero or superheroine heroine uh, Costumes that look like so I I think that's interesting in a sense I mean it's coming from a feminist movement perspective, yeah. which is some some good some bad, but it's definitely something I feel like Christians can agree with, and yeah. that you know, okay, let's cover up a little bit more. Yeah. So I guess we've kind of talked about. This seems to be, and
0: I I tend to be more of this line that there's a certain amount of explicit violence that seems you can you can explain. It seems artistically honest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're going to be trying to gross people out, there should hopefully be some sort of. I like Greg to be here in some ways because he he mm. watches more horror stuff. Mm, yeah, you know, and I don't I don't like horror uh, movies. It's a horror. Books. I don't, I
1: haven't read the many short stories. I only like some, you know, Poe and creepy stuff like that. But mm. well, I don't know that Greg would say that he goes for. I think he, he likes the Twilight the, Zone oh, okay. type creepy okay. pasta things.
0: But well, I'm wondering. Okay, say your horror. Your point is to grow someone out. I mean, mm. I mean, I mean, I I don't like that. I don't think it's good. Is that a valid argument? I
1: mean, that's why some people go to these things. I guess. Mm-hmm. I think it it does come to a sense of taste, obviously, and. I don't want to say this is uh, this is sort of one of those things that I want to say is almost one of the disputable issues in terms of like if you're a Christian writer, you, you have to take this up with God. Yeah. I think um, I do think, OK, so if, if you're looking from a Christian perspective, OK, why is something, you know, not something that should be looked at as a yeah. from if it's gross, the grossness factor yeah. or whatever. Um, and I think we have to look in verse in Philippians you know, whatever what, is true, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Think about such things, yeah. and I think those are those are some reasons why you know we are meant to focus on what's good and and right in the world and not on the other things. I think it's like okay. I've been told in in S- Sir and Fred a book example that the in the first
0: book the scene in the in the middle of the forest at the mound is creeps people out. <laughs> that, um, that it does. <laughs> And you know, but the thing is that's uh it's purposely trying to say things are wrong here. And I think, you know, that's the point of showing gross things. It's things are wrong. Mm-hmm. But if that becomes your entire point, it's weird when what's wrong is your point. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah.
1: No no that makes sense. And I and I think there is a difference too. I mean we talked a we talked a bit about visuals being an important thing, but uh you can get away with a little bit more, I think, in the prose side of things. You can, I think, a lot more in um, generally. Like I remember talking with a coworker who's read a lot of fantasy, well, listened to a lot of audio fantasy books, and I asked him something about Game of Thrones because I yeah. knew I'd, there's a lot of. You know, things because was that uh, one article that I shared on Facebook about uh, what well, we might as well be holy. Oh, yeah. Basically, someone was wrestling with watching Game of Thrones, which is this huge cultural touchstone and, and, you know, is full of like sex and ridiculous violence. And even a lot of, you know, non-Christians sometimes think it goes overboard sometimes yeah. with some of these things. And he was like, well, how do I s- still maintain relevance with the culture when it's also dealing with this stuff? And the article was kind of pointing out, you know, the lines in this sort of thing have... They keep moving. They keep moving. <laughs> um, but and we'll, maybe we'll get back to that in a minute. But I was talking with this coworker about Game of Thrones and um, having read this. And, and he was kind of like uh, it's and he had, I don't think he's really seen the show. He's just yeah. he, he had just listened to the books or read the books or whatever. And and he didn't seem to have a huge issue with it in a sense. And he's not the kind of guy that would just gloss over bad movies. Yeah. You know, he's you know, he would if he knows a movie's bad and he wouldn't watch, watch yeah. it and that sort of thing. So I kind of wonder if, you know, you look at Game of Thrones has kind of this historical perspective and not having read it, I apologize so, Some I started the first one back in high school and I stopped because I just couldn't. Oh, really? I so even seen,
0: back in high school, it was very shocking to me. Oh, OK. Uh, this one scene. So
1: but I just wonder if you're because I've read some like historical fiction books that yeah. like deal with, you know, some of the like. Battles and things like that. Oh, and yeah, you go into the violence and
0: or- bother me or the people hate, you know, the conniving from white little. I, I mean, it's been 15 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was new, you know, back when I read it before everyone else, you know, read it. But one, one of the sexual scenes is just, it was too detailed because you can do, in books, you can get away with sexual scenes mm-hmm. low key. Right. If you want. For goodness sakes, Anna, I think I'm putting this up again. Anna is the entire theme of the novel is adultery. Uh-huh. And there's not a scene in the book that's. I mean, there's there's a scene actually, I guess, when she's command Ultron, but there's not a thing described. You know, mm-hmm. just the emotional repercussions of it. So you can get away with talking about talking about this stuff, but you have to go into. I yeah. mean, for, and, someone, and even even in film, you can get away with that
1: too if you. Yeah, if you keep things certain things off yeah. screen, and I mean, and because so, I'm sure someone would bring this up. You know, even the Bible has some very explicit stories oh, yeah. in it. I mean, there are stories of incest and rape and mutilation and all kinds of weird things oh, in the, the Old end Testament. Of judges, <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> and,
0: and I think there's this quote from, I, I believe, I, it's been years since I read it, from Madeline uh, uh Wrinkle of Time. Wrinkle of Time. Thank you. Yeah. Basically, says this Christian author says the realm of Christian artists should be everything. Mm-hmm. And I I agree with that. There shouldn't be anything off limits. I think the way it's presented, at least from a Christian point of view, you might have boundaries on how it's presented or to whom it's
1: presented. Mm-hmm. Because as Christians, you do want to be able to share the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked before about how we liked stories that aren't necessarily just a mirror on on reality, but kind of show a you know an idealized version. Yeah.
0: But there are definitely. Or room for other types of storytelling than
1: that. Right. And know? even – obviously, even the ones that are showing a reflection of it is still – there's still an element of truth in it. Yeah. That's, that's key. But yeah, there's definitely room for the, the – that looks you know, unflinchingly at the world as it yeah. currently is.
0: Well, I had this discussion with my father-in-law who's a missionary down in Brazil about uh, Les Mis, the movie. Uh-huh. He did not not all care for the whole scene, I Dream a Dream, in the, or what is that what it's called? Well, probably the ventine. The, the stuff, yeah, the stuff right before. Yeah, which yeah. on one hand, I thought being in, you know comfortable America, think it makes you feel just how horrible life was, you know, and uh, she just sold her soul and it just you know just wretched. Mm-hmm. And where he's you know, in Brazil, there's enough. She, he's like not just there, but I mean, I'm innocent. Um, <laughs> there's enough evil in the world right next to you. You don't need to see it on film. Was his view? Sure. Um, and I really thought that was interesting. You know, it's uh again, I don't know what I know what Victor Hugo was trying to do with his. I don't know what the filmmaker exactly was. Well, you know. It's not really a good film. It wasn't particularly explicit. No, but if it it, it, it kind of weighed on you, sure. And and to me that was kind of the point. But I I get the the disagreement with that. So you're talking, you know, these kind of vague lines in many ways about what people can. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, like I think you're going to mention. Well, okay, let me do one more thing, and then I'll try to not be so scatterbrained. Um, <laughs> I read an interesting article right around the time uh, the article about why, why not be holy mm-hmm. came out. Talking about The problem with nudity in film, even if it's supposed to be or whatever, is that violence is faked. Mm-hmm. Someone somewhere is nude in front of cameramen and everything, and as a Christian, is that something we want to be doing?
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> and and I think that's a, that's a interesting that's an, that is a hard one again. I mean, again in the Schindler's List example, I can understand it. I mean, yeah. that's a horrific sort of, you know, it's yeah. bearing it all form of nudity in a yeah. sense. It's not pleasurable in any yeah. in any sense. But for most other circumstances, it's really hard. I mean, there's sort a certain cultural aspect to you know some cultures in Africa they don't care if you're yeah. naked at all. That's true. Um, but in modern Western culture, I it's I find it very difficult to justify yeah. it uh, for uh, a Christian film. Yeah,
0: yeah, I can justify violence a lot better, easier. Yeah. Than, than uh, especially full nudity mm-hmm. in movie.
1: Now, here's the thing: we're talking about uh, lines moving. There are some people who really. Like relish seeing those lines move. yeah, Quentin Tarantino for yeah. example. I mean, his movies are nothing but gratuitous yeah. <laughs> content of one form or another. And I don't know, that's just something that I I guess in a sense, I kind of rebel against yeah, well, because I think, uh, you yeah. hear most people in who who study or work in pop culture like kind of revel in this like moving boundaries and and being edgy and all that well, kind and of see, stuff. and to me, I have a feeling, it could be completely wrong, that a lot of
0: this justification for gratuitous violence or sex, or even explicit, you know, not necessarily, you know, they have reasons. I sometimes feel that someone's just rationalizing, let's see how much we can get away with. Mm -hmm. And not that that's like a conscious thought, but it's like, to be an artist, I need to not be safe. Mm. And I think that's a dangerous thing, because then the, the need to be new, the need to be, Real, the need need to be raw overtakes. I don't know. It, it becomes something separate from you know. It's you have to. I guess you have to think not just what you think needs to be accomplished, but what is this doing to the people watching
1: it. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't feel just to kind of put a caveat on all this. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like this is a subject that you want to be legalistic about no, no, because legalism in the past in regards to like film codes, production codes. And all that sort of thing is, in a sense, what drove a lot of this kind of stuff. I mean, you could point to the sort of the same sort of like backlash against this as you had against prohibition. I yeah. mean, eh, it, it could be it's it, it's arguable in a sense that, you know, you had Hitchcock. We talked yeah. about in uh, Notorious yeah. that pushing the limits on how long you could have a kiss. And then and there are certain things, you know, you have any kind of boundary. Someone's going to want to push it past the boundaries, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Again, that's kind of the whole point of the, the article that I was saying we keep letting them move the boundaries. When does it stop? Well, yeah. it's a tricky thing. Well, but at the same time, I don't know. There's some sort of balance there, I think, between. Yeah. And and honestly, in some ways, it's difficult to say how much we can expect the non-Christian yeah, exactly, world yeah. to follow by, you know, the same They're going to do what, well, yeah,
0: exactly. I think as a Christian creator... Well, you need to ask, you need to be very honest with yourself. Why is this in here? Because I think there's many things we can rationalize for putting in that we might not lose anything by taking it out and we might actually gain something, you know, at least integrity wise, our relationship, how we're dealing with God, honest, you know, because when you're writing, there's a very real desire to fulfill your own wishes, even if it's under the guise of being, you know, artsy or literary or whatever. And also, you know, everyone's wanting to push boundaries. I think there's something really countercultural about telling good stories that don't do that. Mm. I mean, take some skill. To, I mean, it's interesting people who, when you're forced on network television, you have to say the same story with less random junk.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I was, I was, I think I joked back in the um, when we talk about cussing. You know, if Jack Bauer can have those horrible days and never use the f word, there are ways to communicate those things without using it. Right. You can say yes or no without being the best way, but. In some ways, it's like you know any other form, you know, mm-hmm. like a sonnet. How, what can you get away with without saying things? I mean, and sometimes those are the things that are counted literary from writing point of view by implying things without stating them. I mean, that's the whole show don't
1: tell, you know. Well, yeah, well, and sort of like what we talked about in the children's kids lit thing. I mean, you know, there's. There's all kinds of adults who enjoy kids' movies nowadays be- when they're done by someone like Pixar or yep. whoever, that it's still good storytelling. You don't have to have, not all stories have to have explicit content to be yeah. a good story. And
0: generally, if you're in it just for the money, explicit contest never gets you in the top 10
1: grossing films and that's <laughs> that's true actually and that which reminds me um i think probably the goriest movie i ever saw i don't remember why i watched this whole thing my my roommates in la when i was staying over there watched this japanese movie called battle royale oh i, I know the book yeah i never read it but i always, the book the concept always sounded interesting
0: but i didn't know if i would like how it was done
1: yeah, I mean, Battle Royale is basically a story about it's like Hunger uh,
0: Games, before, but worse. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> pretty much. I mean, it's about I guess this society that in order to can keep the teenagers in line, they randomly and this the story is this isn't the first time they've done this, but they randomly take this class of students to an island or somewhere, fasten them all with uh, the sort of collar that they try to escape. It'll instantly kill them in a bloody way. Um and basically it's a yeah it's a fight to the death all a la Hunger Games style they're each given their own weapon and then kind of sent out to fend for themselves and it's all like a reality TV show like it's probably the goriest thing i've ever seen i don't honestly don't remember much of it because i've kind of blocked it out yeah. since then yeah but at the time i was it was it's quite nauseating and it occurred to me that i mean i think i think it was going for this you know again extreme sort of what do you do in these situations yeah. kind of thing how do you actually you know what are student relationships really like and this yeah. battle between the adults and the youth and all this kind of stuff. I mean it actually had some interesting themes in it. But um its audience is quite smaller because of the graphic content. Whereas you have Hunger Games, which and honestly the book probably goes into a little bit more explicit detail so than the movie goes into, yeah. but they're smart. They wanted a PG thirteen rating. That makes it more marketable.
0: I wonder if another definition of gratuitous is where the extras overwhelm
1: the theme. Yeah, if that makes any sense. That yeah, you know, that's probably true. Because like I know a lot of people pointed out, like in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, there's that one scene where the girl just randomly takes off for is changing clothes yeah. while Kirk's there, and it really has absolutely no, no. relevance to the story. No, exactly. Um, so I that is certainly a gratuitous uh, instance. You know, it's song of violent films. Um, Passion of the Christ is ridiculously violent. Yes.
0: Um, and one, you could argue either
1: one, the most popular in the modern church.
0: Yeah, That's an interesting.
1: Deal. It it is interesting. Yeah. So, so make so, it okay. that what you will. <laughs> yeah.
0: So obviously, no one likes gratuitous stuff, but the problem is, <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> where's I'd, your line? I'd, and I th- yeah. and I think, if nothing else, I'm not sure we came down anywhere because this is something that is, if you would, ha- if we'd have a here where it is, I think we'd be unfair. I would. Say, I would almost
1: say. Again, I think less is generally my gut reaction. Yeah. And my gut reaction would be, follow the example of the Bible. Like we said, it goes, it talks about some very adult explicit yeah. sort of activities, but it doesn't go into any great detail in it. I think, there, I think there's a line between being honest and true and
0: being overexposed. Yeah. If that makes, I'm not sure if the right words, but.
1: Yeah, there's, yeah, there's some like slimy, good descriptive scum of the earth explicit words you can throw we keep using explicit because it's easy yeah but
0: so so if it like nothing else you know hopefully this conversation made you think about why i watch this or especially as a creator you Mm -hmm. know saying you don't have to follow what everyone else is doing Mm -hmm. and maybe you don't have to be as safe as you're being if that's you know on the other end i mean there is some room for extreme you know There's no reason you can't talk about dark issues. It's just how do you go about talking about them? Yeah. Well, as Orphan, I mean, she tries to commit suicide for like the entire second half of the book. So, (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully uh, that will lead somewhere, though. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, I guess that's it for that because otherwise we just start rambling. And so I guess I'll do Soundtrack. Well, I don't play many modern video games just because that's how my life has turned out. And um so I haven't
1: played many explicit video games. Maybe maybe by the time Fio gets ten you'll start getting into games. Maybe again. Get,
0: I'll be no, I'll be like Fio. Look, there's this game called Chrono Trigger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like right now it was like Fio, you wanna play some King's Quest two with me. So <laughs> You know, we've been playing Mario sixty four. I mean Yeah. He's 30, 20 years behind you need to start um,
1: getting him on super mario world so. yeah although actually yeah. i guess i need to get you your ass and time <laughs> back first but anyway go on. so
0: i never i'm not you know the most explicit game i ever played was probably like doom 2 i think i played a little bit on duke nukem or wait no what was it back in the day violent wise it was um quake but i picked out randomly because i love the song i thought this applies from leisure leisure suit larry um. Apparently, uh, in the land uh, Leisure Suit Larry in the land of the lounge lizards, which I don't know which number that is,
1: but you know, you, you never followed the Leisure Suit Larry. I, I didn't.
0: The most I ever knew about it was like in Space Quest, like four. You ended up in one scene of Leisure Suit Larry because it's just how it works in Space Quest.
1: But um, you know, there's probably some people listening who have no idea what Leisure Suit Larry is. Yeah. Okay. So it's a. Uh,
0: you probably don't know King's Quest or Space Quest. Basically, it's an adventure game. You point and click and you collect items and then you talk to people and there's usually quirky things and you solve things by using, you know, you use a sponge with the candle and make some sort of weapon and you get out of the... Okay, this weapon. doesn't
1: sound explicit at all, Nick. No, I don't know. I don't know about... I don't know anything else about Legion <laughs> of Larry. I thought, didn't some of the sequels, like, have, like, to do with, like, scantily clad women oh, and things certainly. like that? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think they did. That, I mean, that's the direction it went, yeah. It went yeah. in.
0: Yeah, it was it was more, I mean, it was, like, you know, six-bit graphics, but they were <laughs> Play- scantily clad. Playboy. Playboy, yeah. yeah, he was basically a playboy. Yeah. You know, I guess it was it's pretty tame nowadays, probably, but. Yeah. Anyways, the song is remixed by another soundscape, or if you want his whole, like, Swedish name, you can go look it up. And it's, it's called Larry's Funky House of Low. L-O-W-E. So enjoy. Yeah, baby! Hopefully you enjoyed that funky little tune. Groovy. Groovy, Groovy, baby. Groovy, baby. Um, And now we'll go to our take on Tales. It's uh, that time of the year where Tim and I go and talk about summer movies and or summer books that we... Beach books, I guess
1: we should call them. Yeah, I thought we'd throw in beach or yeah beach books or summer reading this year because... We didn't really see a lot of movies. No, oddly
0: <laughs> enough, we really did not.
1: I, I went back and listened to our last episode. I think and we I talked about like five or so, and you talked about one or two that I hadn't seen. I think I only saw, like, two movies this summer. That's what I think I saw. And only one... Of, so we have three movies total, guys. <laughs> yeah. So that's why we, So we've been really... It wasn't... It just wasn't a... Nothing Very really grabbed me. There was... Partly because the franchises that were out are not ones I care all that much about, like, The Planet of the Apes. So. Oh, yeah. I
0: forgot that was out. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't see the Godzilla movie.
1: No. No, I didn't see the Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, Godzilla's not my thing. Transformers aren't my thing. Oh, yeah. That was out, too. So, I mean... There, <laughs> See,
0: that's how much pay attention half the time. I don't even know what movies out unless it's in the two theater thing over here at Kenville. <laughs>
1: but first, we start off with superheroes because that's what yes. we usually do. And I'll mention since you didn't see it, X Men: Days of Future Past, which I'm really surprised that you didn't wind up going to see this. But I guess you were just, much just at, stuff. at that time it was just complicated. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I enjoyed this movie quite a bit actually. It was on multiple levels. It was just a great it felt like a really big important picture and it was and it was really fun to see some of the X-Men characters I mean we're used to seeing Hugh Jackman as Wolverine like every other summer now but uh, it was great to see you know Patrick Stewart as uh, Professor X and Magneto again and uh, some of the other ones and even the uh, first class uh, casts, which you know I enjoy I enjoy all their what they do too Um, which I guess is mainly Professor X and Magneto again but still Um, and of course Jennifer Lawrence Who's blue? Blue, <laughs> <laughs> taking. Speaking of gratuitous content, I really wish they would just give F- Mystique some clothes. Well, yeah. I don't understand why they she runs around like that. But I mean, it sort of makes sense in her character, but it sort of doesn't. Yeah. But anyway, do, uh, yeah. I, yeah. But anyway, I, it was a very fun. Um, It was fun, but it also felt epic and important. And uh, since I enjoy time travel plots maybe more than Aaron Brosman does, (laughs) apparently, I don't know what he thought about this movie, but I I enjoyed that aspect of it. Although, interestingly, this is sort of a spoiler, but... It's been out for a while. It's been out for a while, I think. They say that um, because of this movie, it could be that uh, anything but the first class is not necessarily canon in X-Men chronology. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which... I mean, it was very obvious at the end of the movie that they were trying to rewrite X-Men 3, and um, they, which they pretty much did away with. In <laughs> and, and I don't think anyone—X-Men 3 was a movie I remember sort of enjoying when I was in theater, but then afterwards thinking about things and being like, you know, there are a lot of problems here. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I don't know where exactly they're going to go with the X-Men franchise after this because, like, Patrick Stewart and Eamon Kellen probably don't have that many more yeah. X-Men movies left in them. I mean, not that I think they're about to die, but I mean, I think they're, you know, they're getting up there. They probably, I mean, it is to their character's benefit that they can't actually, they don't actually move around much. But I don't, I doubt that they have very many more.
0: As far as the X-Men franchise goes, I think my favorites were probably the first Mm X-Men. I like First Class a lot. Yeah. X Men Two is actually pretty good too. See, I don't, I don't much care for X Men Two. Okay, but see, you're you're not the only one who likes it, so it must just be me.
1: Um, <laughs> well, I'm I seem to be the only one who didn't mind the first Wolverine movie. See, I like the second one better than the first one. Well, I'd say the second one was better too. It's yeah. just people talk about X Men Wolverine Origins Wolverine like it was the worst thing ever, like worst superhero <laughs> movie ever, and I'm sort of like, eh, okay. But anyway. Okay. Um, so that was that. Then, of course, there was Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> which was quite fun. But it
0: was, it was quite a fun movie. And Tim and I both, met, when we talked about it, most of you have seen it, love. Yeah. The ra- You know, it's just funny. It's fun. Yeah. I remember re- uh, hearing on Back to the World and everything, and I started listening to it, mm-hmm. oh, cool. um, yeah. that the director wanted to make a movie that made you feel like Back to the Future, Ray's Lost Ark. So, and it, mm-hmm. you know, I think he to a certain extent... Capture that sort of like, this is just a fun adventure. Yeah.
1: Sort of thing. I heard someone else compared to Ghostbusters. Okay, sense, yeah. Like, you know, fun group of characters in a situation of over their heads kind of thing. Not That was the surprising thing about it because I, I went into it a little afraid that it was going to come off feeling a little too much like Firefly. Just, which there's a lot of neat things to like about Firefly, but also have this, this kind of sense of the characters aren't really that good people. They just kind of are in the situations. Um, and their morality is very loose in a sense and there was a little bit of that Guardians in the Galaxy but I was really surprised by how much they brought up not only the humanness of the, these characters but the uh, desire to become a hero in a sense. Yeah.
0: Little nitpicky thing. It seemed like it was kind of chopped together weird occasionally.
1: Yeah. There were there were a few things we, we were like what, how, it seems like there was a scene missing here yeah. like they crashed into the, the villains and, and, and I think you only notice it because the rest of the movie was just so much fun. It's just like then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? Well, we, we missed something like, like blinked or like a, the one I, I just rem- I think there were a couple of these. But the one I remember the most is they, you know, they crash into the villain, the main villains spaceship. And there there's this one scene where they're all together. Then they go out to outside and suddenly the next scene is the green girl meeting up with the blue girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember their names. Um. Gamora and Nebula. Yeah, or I guess you could say Green Uhura and Blue Amy Pond. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Which is weird, but yeah. but, uh, but it just seemed like you didn't. I don't. I don't remember seeing the the like the main heroes split up yep. and then going into the other. So that was weird.
0: It'll be interesting to see how much uh, gravity it keeps. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's it's such a fun movie, but it's very light in some ways. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be interesting in as time goes by whether it'll what well, the impact, the long term yeah.
1: impact it'll have. Yeah, yeah. it will.
0: Yeah, thought that like I love watching the movie after after leave. Not that it's it's not forgettable,
1: but it's it just sits very easy. I, I will say like after like immediate. Which I don't imp- think it's a bad thing. Yeah, and I, I will say like immediate impressions after leaving the theater for both. I I liked X Men a little bit more just because it had a. I felt like it had a bit more significance to yeah. it. It was a, a grander story. In some now I'm ways. excited that
0: the, you know they didn't actually spend that much time getting the group together in this movie, but next movie which they're already working on, mm-hmm. you could just have all those characters there already ready <laughs> to go. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like a mini adventure. Yeah, um, yeah, um, that it'll, it'll, it'll be really
1: interesting to yeah. see where they go with it. I mean, there's a lot of potential because it's nice
0: to have a you know a,
1: a, a space opera. Yeah and a relatively, you know, new one. This is not these are not characters that any of us are really overly familiar yeah. with. I mean, I guess the Guardians of the Galaxy team, at, like as a team name has been around for a little while, but this actual like roster of characters that they use in the movie was re- really only started in 2008. Oh, really? Which is around the time the first Iron Man came out. Okay. So this is a really new yeah. new thing, relatively new thing. All right, so then that w- those are the superhero movies yep. of the summer. Um, what was the other movie that you saw uh, My wife and I went to go see Maleficent. Okay, and before seeing Maleficent,
0: Natasha was very excited about it. I was a little... I wasn't sure what to think of it because I I was worried it was going to be one of these movies where, you know, Cinderella... No, not so Sleeping Beauty, but the bad guy is the good guy, you know? You're like, oh, is this just going to be one of those, like, oh, everything, you know, good is bad, bad is good sort of, you know, twist on... And it really
1: wasn't that. It was still a fairy tale. So um, Mal- Mar- Maleficent was still evil at the end, but you felt was it sort no. of a tragic turn? No,
0: no, no. What no, what's interesting is she starts good, turns evil momentarily, and then becomes good again. Really? Yeah. Huh. It was really kinda cool. I mean, what they did, they they made and again, these are all spoilers, sorry guys if you haven't seen it. Mm. Um, but the king, King Philip, um, who's in charge of the castle he kind of gets very twisted up. He's, he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So largely what, what they did, they've, they've taken the Maleficent, made her... I mean, obviously the scene that they show in the preview, and the scene from the movie with her, you know, cursing cinder, uh, Sleep Beauty and all that, mm-hmm. it's kind of her, her high point of being evil. And then she's, then she's slowly, basically, and these are all spoilers, basically comes to... Uh, Natasha says, I should not keep talking. She gave, <laughs> she gave you a look. Well, here's the problem. The problem with is that there's a lot of. It's fun to watch the transformation, okay. both ways. Without spoiling too much, it really felt like it was set up as a fairy tale where you got you know you got greed, you got love, you have vengeance and that's changed. I mean, it, it kept all the elements of a big fairy tale and just kind of flipped kind of the roles of characters. Hmm. Um. And.
1: I was actually very happy with it. I was, I was, very pleased with it. It was, it was really good. See, I'm, I'm really surprised that they went that way with it because Maleficent has always been kind of one of Disney's big villains, like, like, like evil. Like, yeah. I mean, she actually says in the Sleeping Beauty movie that she is, you know, mistress of all evil. Like, ref, she references hell and all yeah. this kind of stuff, and so it, I was really confused. I was really kind of conflicted about the, the movie, like you were too, in the yeah. sense because like, like I don't want this bad guy to be our our sympathetic but tragic hero.
0: You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't much care for the, like the black hero, the you know the yeah.
1: anti-hero or Have whatever. you ever seen Wicked Are you, or Red Wicked? The... No, Natasha has, but I've not actually read it. I'd and be think... curious. I'd be really curious. Natasha, how would you compare this to Wicked? You... Come over here. Can... <laughs> we're, we're drafting. Nat- it's a good thing that the podcast brought Natasha to this planet as, yeah. as well. Well, she 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 actually just follows and but are sex or she's our secretary
0: most of the time on these <laughs> planets. But how, so how would it
1: compare to Wicked exactly? Oh man, it's been a long time since I've seen Wicked. I saw the play. I didn't read the book. I really love the play, and it makes um the what's her name is Ozma.
0: Who Ozma? No, no, that's not what they call her.
1: Okay. Anyway, the Green Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I can't even remember her name. Glinda's the good witch. I'm trying to think of anyway. Yeah. It makes her the sympathetic character, and Glinda is kind of just a ditz, you know. Maleficent's a sympathetic character, but the good characters of the story aren't also turned into aren't also turned into bad characters. I mean, they're also good characters. Um, so it's a little bit different than than Wicked in that way. It
0: subverts a lot of expectations of both what you thought. Sleeping Beauty was, but also what
1: you thought they were going to do with Maleficent. Mm-hmm. So would you say it's closer to Once Upon a Time than Wicked in some ways? Because I mean Once Upon a Time also has has done a lot of like turning its villains into good characters, which you kind of well, arguably, if you're going to make your characters so sympathetic in a long-running TV show like that, you kind of want to see them become redeemed in a sense. Yeah, it's similar to Once Upon a Time, yeah. It... But at the same time, it doesn't disparage its good characters either, the the heroes. They still try to keep them as, you know, noble, as opposed to... The vibe I always got from Wicked was that it made, like, everyone else seem kind of bad and kind of made the... It kind of gave this thing that the, the the Wicked Witch was just, you know, kind of put down upon and all this kind of stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's... Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just curious. <laughs>
0: We need to bring in an expert. So (laughs) no, but anyway, I was, Natasha. and I we were both, not just pleasantly surprised, but we talked about a lot. Like we really liked this movie. Hmm. It was beautiful. Okay. And this is going to sound weird, but there's this part of the movie that I felt like is what Narnia should have looked like. Oh, really? It's weird. Yeah. I mean, just in the, in the fancifulness in the, in the, because computer graphics come so far and stuff. Hmm. Um, the impressions I got from the previews and then what it actually ended up being were very different in some ways. And and for me, at least, in a good way. I'll be interested, my sister Summer has not seen it, but she loves Maleficent, the evil, evil Maleficent. So we'll see
1: yeah. if she likes the show. Yeah, and, and see, and that was part of my confliction because in a sense, I do kind of like having the evil, evil villain Maleficent, partly because of like the Kingdom Hearts games. In a oh, sense, yeah, She's yeah. a very memorable villain in that way. But yeah, it'll be interesting. And, 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 I'll watch it eventually. Yeah, and, and Angelina Jolie does a great job as
0: always. Yeah. But,
1: well, actually most people in that do, I, I could, a good job. I could tell from, from all appearances, it looked like she was going to be one of the highlights of it. If, oh, she, and, yeah. yeah. But there's
0: a, it, it was, it was pretty neat. I think, I think, I know uh, Greg was cautious about, we were kind of making fun of the twisting of, Yeah, but it was much better than I thought it was going to be.
1: Okay. Interesting. Well, something to Netflix eventually. Okay, so summer reading. summer reading. Let's just pick out some highlights. If you, okay. if you, I will you. I'll give you a chance to think about something because okay, you've been talking yeah. about stuff. Um, I guess I'll throw in a plug here for uh, Rangers Apprentice, which is a kids' series that I I started reading I don't know, several months ago, and then I I've read two of the books this summer because they're very fast reads. Um, I read the third book in about a day just on our drive down to uh, the beach uh, several weeks ago. What I like about these books is that I mean I I think I would have enjoyed them as a kid even before I was really into fantasy in a sense because it takes place in the fantasy world but it all feels pretty familiar like the main kingdom is probably kind of based in like a kind of a United Kingdom feel and mm-hmm. you've got like a neighboring kingdom Celtica okay. which is you know Ireland yeah. and then there's a Viking culture and then there's another country that they border that's very French and they give them different names but you yeah. you can it's pretty obvious where what they're referencing. But, uh, it, but it, but it's neat. It's about a uh, again, Rangers Apprentice. The main character is becomes an apprentice to a ranger yeah. and learns about sneaking around and firing arrows and all this stuff and gets involved with the greater exploits of the kingdom. Big battles. it's got the spunky hero or eh, spunky is not the right word for a ranger. But, you know, mm-hmm. young protagonist. Another thing I like about it is that you get a feel for the world and like what it would take to be all this thing without going to the excruciating detail that, say, Aragon went into. Aragon is like really bloated with all kinds of details that you really don't need, and you just want to get to the actual story. And this Ranger's Apprentice, you feel like you're understanding a lot about the skills of what it would take to be a Ranger while not be feeling bogged down by it. So very fun, and very fun series. And uh, I hope to read some more of them. Uh, like I said, kids series. But I think it's it's kind of like on the border It's like low end YA. You could yeah. almost say like some smart 10 year olds could read it. Certainly 12 year olds yeah. love it, love it. And I guess that's sort of what the age I am <laughs> <seen> <laughs> secretly. I don't know. I just read them because they're fun and they're light and they're yeah. enjoyable.
0: I actually, I was, as I was thinking about this section, I don't have many things I've finished this summer. <laughs>
1: well, I've been working my way through Way of Kings by
0: Brandon Sanderson. And, and J- in July I was largely a wash anyways, but it's like a thousand, I mean, it's a massive book. Impressions I'll just give right now is that if you love world building, this world is fascinating. And I think if I have a complaint at this level is that the characters are not quite as intriguing as all the details. And I think to me that's that's a kind of downside. And they're not bad by any means. I mean they're 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 good characters. Just they're not to me quite strong enough to to make me rip through this thousand page book. Mm. If that makes sense. I mean yeah. It's not really a compl- it's not really a, a down. Uh, man, it is a complaint from mine, but it's not a bad thing. It's not like they're badly written characters. <laughs> it's just it's such a massive thing. It takes like two hundred pages to figure out this world. Because just. You feel like some of it's just so we can explore this world and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm holding off judgment. I, I mean I enjoy it. I'll see if I read the
1: next one quickly or a long time from now. Um, here's a question yeah. for you. Um, since from what you said about Brandon Sanderson's original books before, yeah. do you think perhaps one reason why? Because each time you've talked about it, you have this caveat. I know it's like, I, I like know, this. I didn't like. I this. I know
0: it's weird. I was trying to figure that out.
1: Do you think it's because he's not as much of a character writer as you are?
0: I. I I was trying to. Figure, I was actually having this discussion with my mom yesterday. But I'm like, I'm reading this book. I'm like, I can't figure out why I always have this caveat, and it might be that. It might be. I think he's he is more of a world builder, and he'll admit he loves making worlds and the rules and the you know. And as a writer myself, that stuff's less important. Not that I don't. You no, know, I find Dune interesting. I find this world interest Rashon or whatever it's called. Um, is actually very interesting, but it almost always feels too. Yeah, the, yeah. I think that it might be just I like characters more, and I, and I was trying to analyze, okay, this is the beginning of Big Series. This guy finished Wheel of Time. I loved Wheel of Time. Why did I, you know, couldn't wait for the next book of that, and this one I don't know. Hmm. But I heard Sanderson say one time about Robert Jordan that he was really good at getting inside the characters' heads, and I've thought about that since, and there's just a way Robert Jordan writes that makes you very, it identifies the characters very closely and I think there's there's a more of a distance in how Sanderson does characters. Mm. Not not a lot. I mean, it's not a big deal. And it could just be that I like the world better. I got the right time. You know, there's all kinds of indefinable things that might have mattered. And yeah, you know, I might finish this book and think, this is great. You know, halfway through the book, I'm like, this is getting pretty good. I would like to read the next one. right now, I'm like, I think sometimes that I don't have the time to invest in a world that needs. You need to sit down and read, you know, 70 pages at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get little snippets, so I don't, I don't sink in as deep as the world demands. It could be. <laughs> um, on a completely other level, I did hunt down, well, a friend of mine had, the novel's well, Sword Art Online, the first light novel from Japan, has been translated to come over to America. It's what the anime was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was mentioned Tim before the podcast, what's interesting about it is that it feels like the novelization of the anime. It is ridiculously, in the parts it has, it's very, very similar. I mean, remarkably similar. And the biggest difference is largely that there are things missing.
1: (laughs) The anime actually adds more. The anime,
0: and from what I've heard. Fills in some of the gaps. I've heard that some of these gaps are filled in by other short stories he wrote, and then they move them to their proper places and help build connections and stuff. Um, I mean, you get a little bit into his thoughts. Some things make a little more sense. You get a little bit more about the Heath, about Heathcliff before the final battle. I mean, you get details about how the world works mm. that you don't. I mean, you get technical things, but there's you don't actually seem to get that much more depth. Hmm. If that makes sense. I mean, you get yeah. you get fills in like you know this is how this works. this Is how this works. Like apparently, the 25th and the 50th level bosses were the hard, really super hard. So when they get to 75, oh, okay. they kind of expect it to be ridiculously hard. Oh yeah. So that there's makes little sense. things yeah. like that. That are, there's a scene, kind of throw away a couple lines about them killing the Laughing Coffin mm. Guild, which comes into play in this m- most recent yeah. sort of thing. So there's, or season. So there, there are extra things, but it was not as, I don't know if it's translation, I don't know whether it's so closely similar, but just felt like I'm reading it and I'd rather be watching the anime. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that is interesting. It, it was, it was, it's, it's kind of... I mean, they mentioned that there were 10 unique sword skills, uh, and he got one of them.
1: I'm, stuff I'd, like that. I'd be really curious, yeah, if that's if that's typical of light novel to anime adaptations. Yeah, I don't know. But I've never read a book that was... You know,
0: normally we read the book, it's vast... You know, not vastly different, but... Yeah, it, it, it feels expanded in yeah. some way, yeah. And this did not... Did not. It was weird. I mean, it was an enjoyable insight. You know, it was, I never read a light novel, and it was neat for that reason. Mm-hmm. But, yeah...
1: Odd, very interesting. Um, I'll throw in a just a couple other reading things I did at actually. Well, one I finished and one I haven't yet, and I haven't decided if I will or not. I probably will. But uh, anytime I go to the beach, I always try to take some sort of seafaring book along, and this time I took two. Uh, although one, um, well, one was recommended to me by Greg because uh, he's a huge wall fan, and so I read uh, Triss, which wasn't actually quite as much seafaring as I thought there would be in it, but. Uh, But it was still neat. It was about basically a squirrel from a northern kingdom that that escaped slavery. was just trying to get away basically and wound up helping out – well, she wound up helping out Redwall. But I think it's also partly because she led a bunch of the villains that were chasing her to Redwall (laughs) in a sense. So she was partially helpful. <laughs> um, but to be fair, then I guess there was also this other thing that was lurking nearby, which I won't go into woo, spoilers. Um, but, you know, it was it was a Redwall book. It was enjoyable. It You know, had the colorful characters. I felt it could have been a little shorter because it felt like they were eating like every five pages. <laughs> I, I kid you not. <laughs> like I know Redwall books are known for their meals, but it was bordering on ridiculous. <laughs> I felt so. Anyway, what was funny is I read that, and that's you know overall a very cheerful book for a book that was about freeing slaves. Um, <laughs> for the most part, very optimistic characters. Then I go on to read a book about uh, Horatio Hornblower, which you might be familiar with from the A and E series adaptations. Um, which in those in those books, well at least the A and E ones I've seen. I know there are like two that I haven't um but knows he was like a midshipman to a young lieutenant um very young and the the book i was reading he's a captain and it starts off with him like super super stressed out about outfitting his ship with all the (laughs) things he needs and all the crew that he needs and and uh he's just very uh constantly worried about keeping a proper appearance and not only in front of his colleagues but in front of his men you know he, he acts like the tough sailor yet at the same time he you know he does feel sympathy for like the very poor living conditions they live in and all his stuff and it's like all the the worst aspects of the british Na- <laughs> of working in the british navy are kind of brought up and it's very different sort of reading material <laughs> than redwall was so, um, but interesting. I mean, you want to get in a character's head. It stays very firmly inside Horatio Hornblower's head and doesn't g- really go into the other characters at all. So, interesting book. wasn't. I, that's the one I haven't finished yet, and I just haven't gotten around to getting back to. Well, I probably will eventually, um, but that's that. All right. Well, that's pretty much our. A wrap up mm-hmm. then. Yeah. So um, I guess I will give one last shout out to okay. not a book or a, or a movie, but a TV special. And that was Phineas and Ferb star Wars <laughs> special, <laughs> which was a lot of fun because it was basically, it was a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern story of star Wars. Basically it's an alternate universe where Phineas yeah. and Ferb live in, at star Wars and they go on adventure. that takes place at the same time nice. as a new hope. Nice. And it's really funny too, because they, it starts off, they're living on Tatooine, like they're next door neighbors with Luke. Except Finn and her love Tatooine. It's like the great. There's so much stuff they can do, and they're kind of kind of poking fun at Luke for constantly awesome. like being wishy washy and wanting to go wandering and all this kind of stuff. It's awesome. Just some of the 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 humor they are able to poke into like various corners of it. It's like at one point when of the early scenes of Death Star is like there's a cameo with the creators of the show there as Imperial officers, <laughs> and they're like talking about something. One of them's like, "Oh." You better be careful and don't let vader find out about that and he's like Psh, he's not gonna find out about me goofing off way down here and then all of a sudden he's joking ah, ah, and stuff and the other guy's freaking i was like oh don't worry i'm just kidding no i'm just kidding you're like it's like ah you <laughs> that's awesome if you love star wars there's a lot of great little end jokes in awesome there. So. Do I think wa- that's our show.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Do you want to give our soundtrack info, and then we'll bow out?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess I should tell them where they can listen to our. Work. Oh, fine.
0: If they want to listen, if
1: they haven't done it before, you can find us at derolldrainsofthought.blogspot.com. Also on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And uh, also on mixthirdcom slash Um I am getting close to. Uh, I'm gonna. St- I said last time I was gonna start putting on. Uh, episodes on youtube and I, I i have started working oh nice
0: oh we'll be popular then
1: yeah exactly. apparently we're supposed
0: to be on stitcher now too on what stitcher that's I, where all the cool podcasts are going
1: seriously yeah seriously i never even heard of that well you're not zach then apparently uh, not. <laughs> stitcher i'll have to look that up sigh <laughs> all
0: right is that is that everywhere I, uh and then you can email us at daryl trains at gmail.com and we
1: won't check you so <laughs> and don't forget to keep up with everything related to Children of the Wells all the exciting blogs that we put out there yes exciting and hopefully eventually a hey, book. there are
0: there is some good blogs but there is there should be work out soon like yeah. an actual story we've been
1: treading water for a while here but we're actually almost to the shore yeah <laughs> I like that good analogy there yeah. Okay, so my soundtrack is I picked a song from... Well, I guess it's got a couple of tracks and references from across the Mortal Kombat franchise. Ooh. There There's a video game uh, franchise that is known for gratuitous violence. It is probably Mortal, Mortal Kombat. The main game this is from is Mortal Kombat 3. The name of the remix is Mortal Confrontation. Of course, that is spelled with a K. <laughs> and uh, the remixer is the duo... The dual dragons. Oh, dual dragons! They're hardcore rockers. Yeah, they have yeah, a lot of metal in this. Yeah. So, which is it, it's appropriate for yep. Mortal Kombat, honestly. Yep. But that's our show. Episode okay. Well,
0: I, I hear a lot of gunfire.
1: Oh no! The, the soldiers are getting closer. I think so, and okay. I can yeah, I can smell blood everywhere. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Let's let's hope the podcast spirits us away to our yeah. next location. Yeah. Some,
0: take us somewhere nice. Somewhere nice. Actually,
1: so. we better be careful about. It. Saying the podcast spirits us away. We might wind up in a spirited away. <laughs> <laughs> we might wind up in a in a, a bathhouse bath somewhere also. like cleaning up after stink spirits and stuff. Uh, there's worse places we could be. Like like here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So till next time. Alright, this has been Nick. And this is Tim. Adios.